0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the East Hampton Library's Authors' Night 2019. I'm your host, Bridget Leroy, and you're listening to us here on 88.3 WPPB, Long Island's only NPR station. You can also listen online at 88.3 WPPB.org. And we're here in Amagansett in the 555 Field, a little east of the Shell Station, but way before Montauk, and... uh, Author's Night 2019, celebrating its 15th anniversary, is just getting underway here. You can hear the people arriving, I believe, that the executive director, Dennis Fabczak, who is running toward me, just opened the gate. And we're going to have Dennis on. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Bridget. How are you? I'm great. Oh, good. So this is the 15th, happy 15th birthday. Yeah. That's, That's amazing. It's and this is like the big this is it this is your big fundraiser of the year
1: yes we, we raised more than 10% of our operating budget of the whole year right here today
0: that's amazing well how has it changed over the years how has it evolved uh, authors night? it's
1: moved twice and it's just grown in size and uh, the authors are way more interested in being part of it now. You have a a hundred authors tonight. We have a hundred authors. Unfortunately we've had to turn away more than a hundred authors that we couldn't fit in.
0: Well we've got some big big players tonight. We have of course Alec Baldwin who's the honorary chair. We have Roseanne Cash. We have Candace Bushnell. Yeah. Lots and lots of really excited people who we're gonna be speaking to here on WPPB. So how do you feel this night is going? The weather's gorgeous.
1: The weather's gorgeous. I think we have a really interesting mix of authors. Uh, more than half of them are first-time authors, Night authors. Um, you know, we, we're thrilled to be on the 555 property in Amagansett, which I think is the perfect place for this event and for our free children's fair that'll be tomorrow. That's
0: right. And people, if they if they haven't gotten their tickets yet, are they still? Can they walk in and get tickets? Yeah, we
1: have we have tickets at the gate right now. We just opened the gate, so the crowd is pouring in.
0: Um, it's uh, the tickets are a hundred dollars, but $100. you get you get food, you get to, uh, and all the books are donated, aren't all they? All the
1: books are donated, so the library makes one hundred percent of the proceeds. Uh, so it's it's really an amazing event to support.
0: Oh, Dennis, that's so wonderful. I'm sure you have to run off and uh, do a lot of a uh, pom. Palm- palm shaking and was f- flesh pressing. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming thanks. up and starting us off. We're gonna have a lot of really interesting authors and I'm so thrilled to be doing this again, thank you. Thank we're you. thrilled
1: WPPB is here again and that you're hosting. Yeah, thanks, thanks
0: Dennis, take care. That's Dennis Fabizak who's the executive director of the East Hampton Library. And who do we have here?
2: Hi, I'm Wendy Noonan, this
0: is my This is Wendy Noonan moon i'm so sorry wendy moon you know there's a, a one of the djs on the station is meg noonan so ah, that is why i made that mistake wendy, the irish mafia yeah right <laughs> uh, and your book new york splendor the city's most memorable rooms what inspired yeah. you to write this
2: uh, it's
0: a hundred private rooms
2: uh, and i used to do the at home for town and country mm-hmm. then i worked for house and garden then i worked for architectural digest so and it's always been about the rooms for you, Yeah. <laughs> architecture and design. So yeah. Rizzoli approached me. Then the editor in chief, who conned me into doing this, retired, <laughs> and then uh, well, this is a big, so beautiful book, yeah, full of photos. It's four and a half
0: pounds. Oh my gosh! So you don't <laughs> and, want to be carrying a bunch of these um, around. Bob Stern did the forward, which is excellent. Oh, how wonderful! Robert Stern, being um, the great architect so who's done designed so many of the places out here as well. Yeah.
2: And he's a great historian of and course. a great writer. Yes. So I was very lucky. Oh, I'm so glad to have um, you on. Uh, the focus here is not on the rich owners; it's on the talent, the decorators, and the architects.
0: So, what is the? W- was there one in particular that spoke to you out of the? This is New York splendor we're talking. Well, with Wendy they're
2: all Moon. very wowy rooms. I, <laughs> the one that I love the v- best is on the cover, just because it's so Where difficult to deal with these old dark mansion-like. Uh, apartment buildings in New York and to take the dark, dark wainscoting and figure out a way to lighten it and brighten it teal and green. Did you see any ghosts? <laughs> <laughs> You're not talking. Yeah.
0: Um, where Where is this picture taken? It's
2: on the Upper West Side. I'm not allowed to say where it oh, is, okay. but it's a landmark
0: building on Central Park West. Oh, duh. Okay, like <laughs> where my father lived, Warner Leroy? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm very uh, intimately familiar with that building. Right? So. And well, yes, there are ghosts. <laughs> yes, of course there are. I saw them. I used yeah. to see them when I was a kid wow. there, and now I sound completely well, insane. But. I, this is a woman called Joanne De
2: Palma who is a um, very very good designer who's way below the radar and that was part of the fun of it because she has the worst clients none of them ever let her publicize what they do this was a six-month military campaign wow to get a yes on this one well this looks like a beautiful beautiful book
0: thank yes. you so very much for happy. bringing it up here we're very and happy we're in the third printing so we're thrilled okay well oh that's thank amazing you. wendy thank yeah. you yeah. great to have you here you're listening to us on 88.3 wppb fm And we're here at the East Hampton Library's Authors' Night. And I'm looking to see, this is me vamping, to see who is coming on next. Um, Let me just take a look.
3: Hi. Hi. How are you?
0: Can I see your book? I was just I was just trying to... Hi. Can I see your book, please? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Heels of Steel. Oh, Barbara, we interviewed you for The in- Independent. What's uh, that? We interviewed you for The Independent. Lift up your arm. There. Oh. For um, The Independent. For The Independent yes, out here. Yes. Ty Wenzel did a story on you, yes? yes. And uh, was it Ty or Jessica? I can't I think remember. It, was it might have been Jessica. Well... Anyway, you have an amazing story to tell. Thank tell me about you. being a woman in the construction business and being, I mean, if I may say without being too me too, how gorgeous you are. Oh,
3: thank you. That's not me too coming from you though.
0: Oh, stop it. Yeah. Stop it now. <laughs> anyway, so Barbara Cavavit tell me about your book, I mean, and, and, and what's come out of it for you. Well,
3: I started a construction company when I was in my 20s and a little tip for you there. Warner Leroy
0: <laughs> that's my dad
3: I know and I bid on Tavern on the Green on 57th Street to renovate it 67th what 67th. no no when he was doing um I'm sorry oh, on Central Russian Park, tea no, room. yeah Russian Tea Room when okay. he was doing the Russian Tea <laughs> Room yes you um, did? Yes. Wow. I, I, I bid on the project, but I didn't get the project. But So I've been in the construction business my whole adult life, and I was sitting by my pool in the Hamptons one day, and it was this burning desire to be able to tell my story of a Jewish girl from the Bronx that decides to build a construction company in New York City and how she breaks through the glass ceiling, that sign that says men only, and she's able to... You know, with her determination, her tenacity, is able to break through that. And glass it's your ceiling. story. It's a true. It's based on my story. Yeah. I own a construction company right. in New York City. I know you do. Called Evergreen Construction. <laughs> I was on uh, this past season of The Housewives. Of you, you, may or may not know. I don't have
0: television, oh. so if anybody here is a big TV star, I'm not <laughs> impressed. So anyway, but but I'm very impressed with you breaking Thank through that you. glass ceiling Thank and you. the the female empowerment, the tools that you're giving the next generation who are going to read this book. You know, just God bless you.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to be the pioneer and to be able to have. Other women that are younger look up and say, you know what? There was another woman that was able to do it yes. and
0: follow in my footsteps. Barbara Cavavit, Heels of Steel. Thank you so much Thank for coming you. on the show. Thank you. Really so much. appreciate Thank it. Thank you. And now, come on up. In case you need a book copy. I know. I am <laughs> so excited to talk to Kat Odell and your amazing unicorn food. I've heard so much about this and about you. Is this your first time at Authors' Night? Uh, It is indeed, yes, sorry. So so what made you come up, I mean, I understand this is beautiful plant-based recipes to nurture your inner magical beast. What made you want to, I mean, I know from your shows and all of that 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 you you really try, but what made you want to put this particular book out? And with that title.
4: Sure, sure. So I used to live in Los Angeles, which is a very uh, health-oriented city. It's easy to eat really clean and light and fresh. And I moved back to New York in 2015, and I just couldn't find access to these, like, really clean, delicious foods. It just—it wasn't the same in New York. So I started making it myself. And for me, as a longtime restaurant editor, as a food writer, uh, I eat so much restaurant food. And when I wasn't at a restaurant, I just wanted— Vegetables, really, right. you know, plain, and planes. plain, plain, exactly. simple. Yeah, I get and, that. And um, I travel a lot now. I do a lot of travel writing, filtered through the lens of dining. So a lot of the recipes in this book uh, derive inspiration from different parts of the world in terms of flavors. Uh, I focus a lot of my writing on Japan, so there's a lot of Japanese mm. influence, but also Japanese cuisine is incredibly healthful.
0: Is that Just like the, the natu- omakase stuff? Yeah, yeah.
4: omakase. Um, there's a lot of fermentation and preservation, and that's all you know really rich in probiotics. Of course. Uh, Ayurveda from India. Sure. Uh, and which
0: do we eat for the doshas? Exactly. Like the different, the kapha, yeah. vata, va- wait, kapha. And Yeah, exactly. Right, right, yeah, right.
4: very impressive. Oh,
0: thanks. I have I have, just, I have a gallon of knowledge in a shot glass brain. Seriously, oh, and just like, spills all over the place. But uh, you know, I just heard on it, and we're on NPR right now. And I heard recently on NPR um, about that the, that one of this this big scientific climate. Uh, problem. Uh, the scientists yeah. have said if we all ate more plant-based food, a lot of the problem would go away because yeah. it's the methane from the
4: cows. Yeah. Like, we
0: really need to focus in, even if it's one day a week, that we eat a plant-based diet. Totally.
4: I'm a huge believer in plants and also just based on the way that I feel when I eat a more plant-based diet versus a lot of restaurant food, right. gluten. Um, so.
0: Is this your first time at Authors' Night?
4: It is indeed. Very happy to be here.
0: Oh, I'm so it's glad. Lovely. Yes, and, and it's such a good cause for the yeah. East Hampton yeah. Library. Yeah, is. Libraries are so important. It's great. Yeah, I've been
4: coming out to East Hampton since I was zero years old. Oh, good. So I'm, as much as I can, support the Hamptons I'm you know I'd love to be part of anything well the
0: crowd is getting really big so yeah. I'm sure that you need to get back and a uh, cat Odell unicorn food thank you so much for thank joining you. us here thank you so much for having me okay have a great time thank you. <laughs> okay and now we have the great Candace Bushnell coming up from sex in the city um, oh maybe not she's going to be coming She's going to be coming just after she snaps these pictures with other people. And Candace Bushnell, yay! Bridget
5: Leroy, how are you? Hi, Bridget. How are you? Thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you. It's great to be here at Authors' Night. It's a beautiful field. Isn't it? And I wish the people who are listening could just see how... Lovely it is, and what a beautiful summer evening it is. Isn't it?
0: Last year it was like a swamp here. Just be glad (laughs) you weren't here last year. But this year it is gorgeous. I'm so glad that you came up, and and I'm honored to, to speak with you. We Actually, we were together for a dinner at jay mcinerney and do you remember when rufus wainwright played the piano oh, you had a poodle yes that's what i remember yes absolutely
5: no. and then i just had one poodle and now oh. i have two. Oh, you do what are their names uh pepper and prancer oh that's so and cute they're so cute together oh that's adorable
0: so okay is there still sex in the city yes of course there is
5: um, <laughs> but the actual answer is yes but less now in is there still sex in the city it's really about a journey I took through my fifties, um, you know, dealing with a lot of different things. And I did get divorced. Um, and like a lot of the women in this book, I did not expect to find myself single again. Right, at, at a certain age, so and, to speak. And, but women do, they find themselves, it's a time to reinvent yourself, really. Absolutely. So it's not just, is there still sex? Is, is there still love? Is there still romance? Right. Uh, and, fun. and do you still have your mojo? And do you still have your girlfriends? And do you and mostly your girlfriends. Right? The
0: girlfriends are what you need. So yes. how do these if I can just take you for another moment, how do these characters differ from the characters you you created 20 years ago?
5: Well, they're they're completely different characters and People do say, oh, why didn't you just take those, you know, Sex and the City characters? But one can't, because I feel like those characters are so big, and so many people have written those characters, and there's also, those characters in a sense really really belong to the audience right if you know what i'm saying they've taken
0: on their own life they've
5: taken on their own life and the audience really interacts with those characters in different ways like on instagram and that sort of thing so i felt like it really has to be a new set of characters absolutely and i'm very excited and it has been option to be a tv series so again you're yes. getting another one yay yes well it would That's actually amazing. be my fourth tv series oh. because i had sex in the city right. lipstick jungle right right uh the carrie diaries and is there still sex in the city and we are really i'm working with three other women which is always always really it's it's a really great yeah, feeling it's like we you know sisters exactly I mean, right
0: now just you and i sitting here it's like i just love being with women it calms me down and listen you probably have an enormous line of people waiting for you i can't thank you enough for taking the time to come up here and i hope we get to talk again it's candace bushnell the great author and television producer and everything that you've done in your life with is there still sex in the city her latest tome and we're here at all night for the East Hampton Library. Thank you, Candace. Thank you. And I hope I get to see you again soon.
5: Absolutely. And say
0: hi to Prancer and... And Pepper. Pepper, okay. Thank you.
5: <laughs> Bye.
0: You're listening to WPPB 88.3 FM. You can also stream us online at 883wppb.org. And here we have Roseanne Cash and Dan Rizzi coming up. Come on up. Yeah, you guys, come on up together.
6: Thank you. Come on sometimes
0: up, Dan. Hi. Hi. Hi, Roseanne. Bridget Leroy. Hi, Bridget. Hi, Nice
7: to meet nice you. Nice to meet you. Oh,
0: stop it. Dan Rizzi, I know, like the back of my hand.
7: <laughs> anyway, do you sleep under one of my, my paintings? What? Don't you sleep under one of my paintings?
0: Do uh, yes, I do. I no. sleep under one. Not when you said sleep under one of your paintings. I thought like like I use it like a blanket. that's no. a very provocative question. I do. Well, we, I sleep well with this guy. So <laughs> yes. yeah, he's right there. Wow. If he wasn't standing I think right I there, I would have yeah. mentioned
7: it if
0: he <laughs> wasn't here. So, bird on a blade. You, you this has been um, out for about a year. And what? Not really. It? No, it no. came out
7: November, didn't it? End sure. of November October, December. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, really at the end of, of two thousand eighteen. Oh, yeah. okay.
0: And, you know, what what was it that made you want to put your lyrics in? Uh, I guess in what made you want to put your words into a book form? I know you also have composed your your memoir, and how did you guys kind of hook up to to do this?
8: Well, we've been friends for twenty five years, and we've so been. Have we? We've yeah, been yeah, uh, yeah. we've been talking about this forever. Like every year, we go. We should do this book of my lyrics and your images. Yeah. and We just never got around. Then last year we said we're doing it. Let's just put it together. Yeah.
7: The, the short story is that I was working in Austin, in a print shop in Austin, and um, you know the artists get to choose the music they want to listen to, and I said I want to listen to Roseanne Cash, and. I don't remember the song, I'm sorry to say, but uh, I, I I remember somebody coming up to me and saying, God, this is great music. Um, I said, well, it's a friend of mine. He goes, Roseanne Cash is a friend of yours. I said, <laughs> yeah. He said, what have you... You guys did a project together, and that was the seed of it. Sure. I called Roseanne that night, and she said, "Yeah, well, let's do that sometime." And I think 20 years later. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, "You worked in a print shop? That was not reasonable."
7: But we (laughs) we did this book with her, you know, in a hotel room in Germany at two o'clock in the morning. Oh wow. Emailing each other back and forth. I mean, it was a it was a really it was a real collaboration. Oh, absolutely.
8: Uh, We went back and forth, back and forth, and then sometimes he'd send me an image and I had a lyric with it and I change it. And sometimes I sent him a lyric and he'd find a different image. So it was very collaborative That's and wonderful. so much fun. Yeah, it That's really great. was. Really Are fun. you thinking about doing another one? Oh, come on, let's do it, Dan. Oh, come on, do yes. it right now. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: That's wonderful. And, big book. and can I also just ask you about your memoir, Compose? Do you, do you have that here with you as well? I do, it's
8: here. Um, that came out in 2010. I, I first wrote a book of short stories called Bodies of Water and then the memoir no then I wrote a children's book and then the memoir um and you know that's a whole different thing writing a memoir unpacking your life of and course. kind of putting it into organizing your life
0: I, I and also having an editor who might say yeah, well make this
8: part a little that's this exactly pa- what he make said make this
0: painful part last a little bit longer that's right?
8: exactly what he would say yes or you didn't really write about this subject and I'd go. Well, I didn't really <laughs> well, there, want to write uh, about there that. There was thing. a
0: reason for that, dude. Right. <laughs> anyway, but that's wonderful. So the book is here. I mean, it's it's here.
8: It's tonight. still here. huh.
0: And Bert, can I just take a look because I literally have not had a, a copy of this. I've only looked. Yeah, but I want to get a copy. It's really it's so beautiful. Well, our if publisher I parted
7: so. with a, with with a few uh. copies.
0: I need a bird. I, uh, you know i most i, I people, sleep under one of his do. paintings but it's like oh
5: i <laughs> i kind of
8: sleep under one of his paintings it's across from my bed uh, over the fireplace oh
0: that's so nice
8: and i love it so that's much a portrait of you and both <laughs> of you both of you are
0: are supporters of of uh, the station wppb yes, yes we, we are, are. Yeah, I and know we're that. both
8: fans of libraries. I, I, I always say libraries saved my life. Really? Yes. It, elu- elucidate me a little bit for a second. Well I had a very chaotic childhood and I was not one of those kids who did sports so I would retreat to libraries on Saturdays. You too I think. Absolutely. And it saved my life. Yeah. Kind quiet librarians and great books. And you know now
0: libraries are such a um, you know, with these families that work like like Eric and I are both were like workaholics, um, our kids went to the library, and that now they have like Dungeons and Dragons games, and yep. they show videos, and they have you know English as a second language, and there's so
8: much. It's become like the new community center. So um, you know, I see a return to it. You know, I think a lot of kids are getting burnt out with screens all the time, and they want. A visceral item they can touch, yes. and smell, and feel, and people that they can talk to
0: and communicate right. with. Right. Well, thank you both so much. I'm sure you've got a big, long line uh, of people.
8: Dan's got an enormous line. Let's yeah, go right. take. Wait a of your minute. Line. Wait a minute. That just <laughs> 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 would it's
0: you funny. like to rephrase that? <laughs> 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 Dan, Dan, I knew nothing <laughs> about <laughs> your enormous <laughs> line.
7: Anyway, we'll talk well, about that at another
0: day. <laughs> say hi to Susan, Roseanne. Thank you uh, so nice much for coming up, Bridget. Roseanne Cash, Dan Rizzi, Uncle Dan
6: bird on a blade
0: and composed a memoir thank you both so much so we're here at authors night for East Hampton library as you can hear the crowd is getting bigger and we have author Jane Green joining us with her book the friends we keep hi Hi. and joining her is, Danny oh, Shapiro. Danny Shapiro, oh, well, well. right, of course, with Inheritance. Danny, I do believe I interviewed you like 20-something 20, 20 years ago. You know, ago.
9: I never forget a face, and your face is familiar. Yeah, yours yeah. is really familiar, yeah. too. I think yeah. it might
0: have been one of your first books. That I'm, not, I'm so yeah. sorry. I wish I remembered more, but, but to have both of you up here. Um, Let's start with Jane. Well, are you can are you guys friends? Do you know how you came yeah. up? Okay, because sometimes they just grab two people, but you guys know each no, other. That's I don't very, really very Jane, Danny, well, Danny. Yeah. Jane. So we have Jane Green and Danny Shapiro here. Jane, tell me a little bit about The Friends We Keep. This is a novel. Yeah. This yes. is this
10: is my 20th novel, and this was inspired by my my realization at at around the age of 50 that my life is is much more isolated than I ever expected it to be, and I started to really think about the themes of Of loneliness in middle age, and and every time my husband and I went out for dinner with friends, we'd end up having this conversation where we'd all end up saying, "Hey, why? You know, we're about to be empty nesters. Why don't we all buy a piece of land somewhere and all have like or a farm, like an intentional community? Exactly. So is that what this book is? Tiny houses and a communal." Living space, I that, love it. So that's what this. Novel Don't we explores. all want?
0: I think that's something that we all have that conversation at some point. Danny Shapiro, I'm bringing you into this as well. My husband and I just bought three acres in Nova Scotia, with a view of the ocean. And I mean, really, for like under under ten thousand I mean, dollars. That sounds insane. like heaven. It is, and but that's the thing I always think about. Like you have one person who knows how to do this, and then one person. Yep. Everybody kind of supports each other. Yeah, but no hippies. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but
10: it is about surrounding yourself, I think, with your favorite people. Yeah going into the afternoon of life by yourself well and and in this book they are not just women although I do think the women are always left on their own so my suspicion is when this happens Mm -hmm. it it will be women yes Danny you're in (laughs) well this is a
0: very good segue from talking about the people that we surround ourselves with to your latest book your memoir of, of genealogy and love. You've, you had some surprises with this, didn't you?
9: I did. So, so my memoir, Inheritance, really came out of um, a discovery that I made in 2016 after casually taking a DNA test for no particular reason, except that my husband was doing it too. Right. Uh, and I discovered that the dad who raised me had not been my biological father. So it was this bombshell that sort of exploded in my life at the age of 54, and... The book is really about trying to understand, at first, if my father wasn't my biological father, who was, Right. and then ultimately really a deep dive into the very ideas of identity and family secrets and what makes a family a family and what makes a father a father and nature and nurture. And I just found myself sort of at the center of all these questions. After a lifetime of writing many books, all about, all centered around family secrets without ever knowing why. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's just that's um, karma in some way. That's
0: incredible, and I, I've read your books before, and I'm sure that th- I haven't read this one, but I'm sure it's really amazing. Please, Jane Green, interrupting uh, yes. Danny Shapiro. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, um, no.
9: I'm I'm I also want to say this. that Jane has pink hair, so she's yes. adding more kinds of color. I, I <laughs> am
10: adding lots of color tonight, but um, but one of the things that struck me about Danny's story was very early on, Danny. Sent me, may I say this, the video of the man who you discovered to be your biological. Well, father. I don't want to give away too much. No, I no, no, no spoilers. No, no, no. So, I'm, this no, all happens no, in the first twenty-five pages. Um, but she sent her a video of him, and my husband and I, who you know, Danny is one of my best friends. We know Danny. I know Danny. Danny yes. and I consider a sister. And my husband and I sat together in my office and watched the video of the man danny had just discovered was her biological father amazing both burst into tears because it was extraordinary seeing seeing danny we saw it and it wasn't just the physicality it was his mannerisms and his gestures and and it was extraordinary and and this has been i mean this is just an an amazing book. Well, I'm
0: so grateful that that both of you have come here. Thank you for supporting the East Hampton Library and Authors' Night and NPR. And uh, we're talking with Jane Green with the Friends We Keep sort of about an intentional community or the it, idea it of friends is. It, coming it's,
10: up. It's about sort of middle the choices it's a novel. we make in midlife. It is exactly. a novel, but it it's uh, the story of a group of people who choose at the age of 50 to live together again. Oh,
0: I love it. Yeah. And Danny Shapiro and your incredible uh, discovery and journey inheritance a memoir of genealogy, paternity and love. And I have heard this more and more frequently, as people take these DNA tests, there's a lot of people out there who are learning
9: very big, very big bombshells. Uh, just a statistic. Yeah. Um, last year, 12 million people bought these kits. Wow. It's the most popular holiday gift in America. Uh, families are giving it to each other, ironically. Yeah. And about two percent of those people discover Some, like uh, a, something, a, a brother they didn't know about, or. and that's 200, 240,000 people. That a, year, is so a year so it's, epide- it's epidemic right now right yeah. amazing
10: i have a cousin a first cousin who doesn't know she's my first cousin incredible and and this is a family i hope she we- doesn't
9: live on long island
10: she doesn't she lives in the uk <laughs> but, okay. what, but i really she looks so like my mother's family she's the identity i mean she's she looks like my mother and and, and my grandmother and my uncle had an affair with, with the mother. She doesn't know, she's probably in her 60s. And everyone knows but, but her. Everyone knows yeah. but her, and and the secrets always come out now. You can't keep these secrets any longer. Yeah.
0: That's true. Well, thank you both so much, thank Danny you. Shapiro, Thanks. Jane Green. Such a pleasure to talk to it's you. Such a pleasure to talk to you, too. I hope we, our paths cross again. Okay. Thank you very much. You're listening to Bridget Leroy on 88.3 WPPB. <laughs> Long Island's only NPR station. And now we have the Zen Bender herself. Stephanie, you have to say your last name.
11: Krikorian.
0: Krikorian. Stephanie Krikorian. And this book is getting a lot of attention lately. Zen Bender, a decade-long enthusiastic quest to fix everything that was never broken.
11: That's it. It's out on Wednesday.
0: It's out on Wednesday, and it's been getting just a lot of of upfront promo. I've heard that a lot of people, yeah, it's extremely exciting. And you're from, you live out here. I
11: live out here. I'm born and raised in Canada, but this is home now, Um, Saint Catharines, Ontario.
0: Oh, okay. And you're, you're, but this is your home, and I love your back. Oh my God, this (laughs) isn't working. (laughs)
11: Meditation, yeah, meditation's a tough one for me. I really try, um, but I. The sitting down in the morning and being still is really hard. But what I found with with the book through Zen, through my Zen bender, my ten year Zen bender, mm-hmm. is a lot of things are meditative. And Absolutely. so to really kind of take a look at what else you can do, like chopping broccoli, a walk, pulling a vegetable from the ground at the farm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that's so great. And so, what are some of the other um, Tips that you have in here?
11: Well, basically, I think the idea being so, so th- this, the book starts after I lost my job in television mm-hmm. in 2008. But I do have
0: to say, this is a funny it This is a, is a, a funny, light, f- a it's funny it's a book. Look, yes.
11: With kind of a message at the end, of course. Right. So I lose my job in 2008 and I start se- ghostwriting books for celebrity self help experts. And then Did I, you really? Yeah, that's, that's what so I do for fun. a living. Oh my yeah. God. We have, so get, got, we have to have, we'll have coffee. We have to have Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got a little bit hooked and I started writing for research and hiring coaches and going to gurus. So it sort of spans all the topics in a single. So you are, you're a seeker
0: yourself. Seeker, yeah. I want
11: it, and, and like all these fixes out here, it was like a bag of potato chips. If they're coming at me, I better try them. So right. it covers everything from dating <laughs> to dieting
0: that's hilarious you end. know i was just saying to my husband on the way here i asked my son the other day i was like what are the only two acceptable road foods and he immediately said pringles and skittles and it's, it's true because pringles has a lot of different flavors it's a good point see how i get, managed to get <laughs> off on it off i just went completely I off base it. on that one but i'm so glad to meet you and i'm so happy you're here at the east hampton Thank library's you. 15th annual authors night event. it is filling up but there's still room it is a gorgeous day here in the 555 field perfect in Emma night. Gansett. perfect night for this and we're talking with Stephanie Krikorian about Zen Bender you, the bender you went on and why zen i mean is it actually zen or are you just kind of using zen as a as no, a I word i feel like
11: i was chasing something but i didn't know what and yeah. i think in the very end ultimately it was just peace everybody just wants a little bit of peace but with all these fixes coming at you i think it really started with the book the secret you know yeah. back i don't you have know to when or things her. Yeah, yeah 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 and so it was sort of like a magic wand, and there's this group project, and you think of all these things that must be in need of of some fix, and so that's right. At the very end, it was just a little bit of peace that I was kind of oh, chasing.
0: It's wonderful, Stephanie. Thank you so much for coming up thanks here, and welcome me. to Authors' Night. Thank you so much, and we'll be, we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Okay. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye bye. So now we have coming up. Now we have uh, Jamie Brenner is coming up with her book, Drawing Home. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Let's pretend we didn't like just talk ten minutes ago about everything. I'm so glad to have you on again. It's great
12: to be here. I get a second
0: chance since I had you on last year with Jerry Curatola, who was talking about like bleeding gums or something. I love. I I love you, Jerry. Yeah, yeah.
12: I was in a panic. The
0: look on your face (laughs) was like. Pure stark terror. It was
12: bad. It was all bad news. Okay, but listen, let's. I, okay, let.
0: but I was Jamie Brenner draw, drawing home. Yes. where's your book? Show here me your book. There we go. Ah, oh, there we go. Look, Jamie Brenner drawing home. This book is set in Sag Harbor. That's right. And, and la- where was last year's book? Greenport year it or something. Last was Holger. set in the
12: Jersey Shore, and right, I was right, right. so excited. I was like, "Oh, this day's never going to come that I can actually talk about the Sag Harbor book." But Yay. it's here, set at the American Hotel,
0: which oh. is where you had your opening party with, with Taylor Berry. That's from right.
12: Uh, Barry, uh, Barry books. Co. Books, right. uh, which was the first bookstore I ever went to in Sag Harbor, even though oh. it's moved location. Yeah, but yeah. the crazy thing is, I wrote this book the winter of the movie theater fire.
0: Wow. And so, so much has changed yeah. even
12: in that amount of time. Yeah. But the... the town banding together to rebuild that theater was so incredible to me right. that I had to write it into the book because yes. it showed so much about the character of the town and said so much about what the town values, which is art and Absolutely. community. Um, and it just gave me so much to to work with.
0: So tell us a little, uh, now Steve Huwile from Word Hampton says that he read this book and he cried at the end. Now yeah. Steve might be a little bit of a wuss anyway. Steve, I love you if you're listening. So maybe he cries a lot. I don't know. I'm not saying he does i'm not saying he doesn't but is this a real tearjerker of a book
12: it's it's emotional i go for the like emotional this is us family drama type of thing not right. sad like i always want people to leave feeling good
0: but you round up the characters so that people really care about them
12: yeah I want it to be filled with the drama of life you know ups right. downs love loss um, but ultimately you know redemptive and hopeful it's escapist fiction it's a beach book so you should feel good reading it right
0: right well it's wonderful and I'm I'm it's on my list
12: it's good <laughs> when, in I'm the win- not. when it's winter time and all this sunshine's a yeah. memory this will bring you back here I still have a
0: weekly newspaper to put out, but I <laughs> I, I get like three pages a night before I fall like into it completely Exhausted sleep, Perfect. and this is on my list. All I mean, right. I actually have a copy, so but I, I should so. bring it to you, so you could sign it for me. Uh, Duh. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jamie Brenner, Drawing Home, We're, thank you again so much for joining me again. And hopefully I'll see you next year. With yeah. Some, are you working
12: on something new? I am. I've got something coming next summer. It's um, called Summer Longing. This one is a return to Provincetown. Oh, wow. And then I'm working on a book for uh, 2021 set on the North Fork at a winery. Oh, cool. So we've well that's got to talk okay, about. Okay, so we'll, I will be seeing you <laughs> for decades. You can't get rid of me. Uh, good. Right.
0: I'm glad. Thank you so thank much, you. Jamie. I'll see you again soon. Bye. You're listening to Bridget Leroy, hosting on WPPB. And uh, hi, we have Talia Karner. Did I say your name right? With the third daughter, a novel. Um, And what is this about, Talia?
13: It is set in the late 1800s in Buenos Aires. And it's a story about Jewish sex trafficking.
0: Wow. And is that... Based
13: on truth, it's a true Did story, meaning the true historical facts mm-hmm. that are quite shocking about a legal union of traffickers that operated with impunity for seventy years. Oh my goodness! Seven zero, and they. But this is a novel. This is a, yeah, it's, a, historical, it's fiction. a, a historical fiction. Historical fiction. But the facts of this Tzvimigdal, this yes. the name of this union, that victimized about estimated two hundred thousand women, wow. is incredible. And this novel is this your first book?
0: My fifth. Your fifth? I'm sorry. My fifth
13: novel. Your fifth
0: novel. Is it your first time here at the?
13: No. Every oh my book, gosh. Every no, but you weren't I've here last.
0: Here. Last year was my first time doing this, okay. so that's why I didn't see. But this yeah. is wonderful. And uh,
13: the book, the release of the book is actually also the launch of my anti-sex trafficking campaign. Oh, how I'm fantastic. using the memory of these victimized women to take lessons for the future.
0: Talia, thank you so much for uh, coming up. I have to uh, move, okay. move, uh, move thank along. You. But thank you so much, Talia Carner, you. and your book, *The Third Woman*. Is it?
13: Third
0: daughter. I'm sorry, *The Third Daughter*. WPPB. We're coming to you from the East Hampton Library Authors Night. Thank you so much, and I'll see you again soon. We have coming. Come on up. Hi. So, thank you so much for joining me, Douglas Brinkley. Hi, Bridget Leroy. Thank you. So nice to you. happy to talk to you. And you have your book, American Moonshot. You're also on the committee for the library.
6: Yes, I try to uh, support this um, event every summer. I think it's one of the high points for me of my year to be out here. Everybody loves East Hampton, and particularly when the weather's glorious like it is. And my book, American Moonshot, this summer was the uh, 50th anniversary of Neil Apollo, Armstrong yeah. and Buzz Aldrin going to the moon. So I've right. been traveling some on the book.
0: Right. And of course, now, if I talk to you about all of your many accolades and uh, titles and prizes I'm and the seven bestsellers, I'm going to be coming. My mouth is starting to dry up. It's starting <laughs> to dry up. So let's not talk about that. Let's talk about your Grammy. I want to hear about the jazz and how this is what i wanted to ask you gonzo which Mm -hmm. was you were grammy nominated for was an album that you
6: produced with johnny depp yes
0: based on hunter s thompson so how exactly did you relate journalism to jazz
6: well i uh my i play piano and guitar and other instruments, but when I was young, I used to kind of busk around uh, playing uh, like Bob Dylan and Woody Guthrie, Hank street? Williams streets and also all over Europe just In for Atlanta? Fun. Or where were um, you? I mainly yeah. did it in, when I just, I went to go my summers in Europe with the Let's Go Europe book and hit the right. train stations. I played in a little pub here and there.
0: And you traveled like the country in a, in a natural well, gas powered bus? I did. I You've created a like- class
6: then called the Magic Bus and. American Odyssey and college students would live on my bus and we'd go all over the country earning college credits. I,
0: I love you. So I, <laughs> I want to uh, be your best friend. <laughs> well it was
6: so fun and uh, I we would been so I would have students read like Arthur Miller and then meet with him after they read Death of a Salesman. Oh, or, we were with Toni Morrison Who and just you know, Ken Kesey, Hunter Thompson and then musical people would get involved with my program uh, like um, Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry and people and so, so it was a real all uh, glow sure. American Studies class like Tom on wheels Holtz
0: going on there <laughs> yeah. but this, how did you get to producing an album uh, well, and I know that uh, the Johnny Depp had played Hunter S. Thompson in Fear and Loathing well, in Las Well there's two Vegas. different
6: projects one is Gonzo I'm the literary executor of Hunter Thompson's estate oh okay and I edited Hunter's letters one's called The Proud Highway and the other volumes Fear and Loathing in America and eventually Uh I'm bringing out the third volume called The Mutineer and so uh, when Hunter committed suicide I wrote the cover story for Rolling Stone and I've written a lot for Rolling Stone and all because some people even though I'm a presidential historian there are people that know that I dabble in the music world I would call um, it a little more than dabbling. Yeah, but, okay. but, you know, it's not my, it's not my, my bread and butter yeah, job. Yeah, right. Um, but so with Gonzo, I work with um, Johnny Depp. We also, Depp and I brought out, found Woody Guthrie's long-lost novel called House of Earth. How did that even, that uh, how did you together. unearth that? It's a longer story. Oh, yeah, but probably we don't um, have time we for have it. time for but um, nobody had found it, and we were able to get it, and we brought it out and gave the money to promote music and Schools, But the jazz one um, is a presidential suite, and that actually won the Grammy, and that's jazz uh, ensemble. Right. And got to work with Ted Nash Orchestra at Jazz at Lincoln Center and Whitney Marsalis and Kabir Sagal and wow, other people so many that I admire a lot. I tried to do an album this past year, which you can get. It's called Fandango at the Wall, where we did recording in Tijuana on the border. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and in kind of an anti-border wall. CD with some of the best musicians from um, in the uh, Latin jazz world. Arturo um, O'Farrell was one of the one. He's a multi-Grammy award winner. And so we were, um, Regina Carter participated, a lot of jazz people. So I'm, I'm, I work in that world a little bit.
0: Well, I didn't mean to like throw you a curveball there, but I found it so fascinating. I was very pleased to win a Grammy.
6: I've been nominated, but to win it was great. And I gave it, to a little daughter named Cassidy and I gave it the Grammy to my daughter. Oh
0: my gosh, that's lovely. But now you're here with this book, American Moonshot, with the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11, John F. Kennedy and the Great Space Race, which just stalled Like after the, the moon. It's been 50 years. What is next?
6: Um, That's a good question. You know, they used to say at um, NASA in the 1960s, no bucks, no Buck Rogers. Right. Space exploration is very expensive. Yes. In the 60s, with John F. Kennedy's leadership, we got about 4.4% of our annual budget went to NASA. Today, it's a third of 1%. Wow. So unless you're going to put a lot of money into it, it's not going to happen quickly. You need someone like Elon Musk. Well, we are. There's Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. There's private sector. We'll have to meet with NASA culture. But we will go back to the moon in probably five to eight years. It'll be the first woman on the moon. Right. Um, And then eventually we'll be in Mars probably 2040. It takes longer than a lot of the pro-Mars people speak. Yes. And many people think the new moon shot should be an earth shot to deal with climate change. Absolutely. That it's not, that it's more of our energies need to be in that. So, uh, but my book's about 50 years and how we got to the moon and you're doing a lot of interviews and and, um, new archival information. Well,
0: I I love, I love your articles and uh, I'm sure that this is a fabulous book. I've not had a chance to look yet, but Douglas, thank you so much for being involved with the library and uh, the 15th year now of, of this wonderful authors' night. There's 100 authors here. And you, you've been a supporter for a long time. So thank you so much for being well, here thank with you. us.
6: This author's night is kind of magical. It is. Because after the tent event and you meet everybody, you become friends with other authors. But you
0: also get the dinners. And then you get the
6: dinner. And you're and having a of dinner. And most of them are right are on the ocean. Oh, so I you know. get to watch the sunset and catch the breeze. And, and life feels good for a while.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Douglas Brinkley, for joining us, who's on thank the you. committee. And uh, we have other authors coming up. And uh, thank you again. Thank you. You're listening to Bridget Leroy here on WPPB, FM, and we're here at Authors' Night in the 555 Field. Um, And hi, can you can you move over? Sorry, (laughs) move on, move on down, Carrie. Hi, how how are you? Sorry, this is Christy Woodson Harvey with The Southern Side of Paradise. Yes. And your book's... your other book, they, they kind of deal with more the South, right? Yes,
14: exactly. I would definitely write about the South. I'm from North Carolina. I still live there. So, and I was thinking, I wonder if I'm the only Southerner in the crowd. Right, so tonight. sure. I just I have a
0: radio show on the station Sundays on yep. the East End with Bridget Lorraine and Alex yes. Ocklow. and we just had on uh, Julia Fowler from oh. Southern Women Channel yes. last week. Like, oh, so how you could great. hear. It. So, give me an expression. Shoot something at me.
14: Um, Well, Bless Your Heart. Yeah, I know, but we went went into detail
0: on Bless Your Heart Um, and all of it's different. I just did a
14: little video for... um Simon and Schuster, my publisher, about Southern sayings. Right, and, um, this is the Southern yeah, side swanny, of Paradise. Yes, yes. I swanee is one of my favorites. My I grandmother, swanny. is a very proper Southern lady, and she would never say I swear. So
0: she'd say I, I swan. I she wouldn't even say the word swear. Would not even
14: say the word swear. Forget about much swear words. Actually swear. Oh my goodness, yeah. that's yeah. is this
0: your first so. time at Authors' Night?
14: It's my first time at Authors' Night. It is my it's my fifth book, but my first time here, so I'm so excited that's to be a part wonderful. of this. That's wonderful. Well, I'm
0: glad that you're here too. So tell me a little yeah. bit about this book.
14: Well, the Southern side of Paradise is part of my Peachtree Bluff series. And it's about three grown sisters and their mother and a big secret from the mother's past that has the potential to change all We're of We're having a
0: lot about family secrets yeah, tonight. Well,
14: the South is all about family secrets, right. I feel like. So. Well, if you
0: don't even say the word swear, you would think that they'd be very good at keeping secrets. That's exactly
14: right. <laughs>
0: so uh, it's about three sisters and it's a, a series. And yes, is this the yes. fifth book in the series? Um, it's
14: actually the third book in the series, the third and final book in the series. I'm sort of sad to see it go, but um, the first was slightly south of some. And then um, the secret, of the Southern Charm. Was oh, the how second.
0: wonderful! And, and who's Southern Southern your publisher?
14: Oh, really nice. um, Gallery Books, with Simon and Schuster. That's I, great. I love them; they are wonderful. Well, you know what's Pretty wonderful is that
0: all of these books ha- have been donated by the publishers, yes. and the authors come here, and we have, you know, from from the very, very famous to the up and coming. I just yes. talked to Candace Bushnell; yes. you have five books out, and then there's people here with their very first book. Yes. It is just such a wonderful kind of compendium of authors, and and anyone can come right now. It's a $100 admission, it's deductible because it goes to the library and it's just an amazing night. I'm so glad. It's such a good
14: cause. I mean, our libraries are just sort of the pulse of our communities, and I'm so excited to see all these people here to support their library. Oh, everybody loves the
0: East Hampton Library. All the libraries out here. Well, it just
14: shows how important they still are and how relevant, and that as an author, that makes me very happy because, you know, you hear all these things about books going away or people not reading as much, and I don't know if I believe that. I mean, look (laughs) at all these people here tonight. Exactly. (laughs) I think
0: last year, I think we hit about 2,000 people over the course of two and a half hours. Wow, unbelievable. Which is like so Oh, wonderful because they're yes. supporting books.
14: Yes. You know, yes. And, and,
0: then, and I mean, libraries are so much more now, like you said, right. they're the Pulse.
14: Right, yes, and we ha- there are these wonderful dinner parties afterwards. I'm so excited. Are you um, are you having yes, one of them? Yes, oh, at, great! Um, at Marshall Watson's house. He oh, he's an Tampson. amazing Tampson.
0: designer. No, I amazing know, I know. Amazing designer.
14: Oh, oh, I adore him. Yes, um,
0: that's fantastic. So, yes, I'm so oh, excited well, Christy, to get to sit out there. Christy Woodson Harvey with her book, The Southern Side of Paradise, here in the 555 Field in Gansett. Thank you so Thank much you for coming having on. Thank you. Yes, and bless your Can heart. You. Bless your heart. <laughs> and I said that in the good way. It's a good way. That's right. Hi. Come on hey up, there. David Brown. I'm so happy to see you. I'd like to see you too. With this new book, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young: The Wild Definitive Saga of Rock's Greatest Super Group. There we go. So, what was it like doing research for this?
15: Uh, it was a blast. You know, not only interviewing some of the guys in the group, but also all the uh, so many. Of their c- colleagues uh former band members managers uh girlfriends people like judy collins right uh talked to me gave me some great stories about her uh time with stills and all the hidden clues about their life in some of the songs like sweet judy blue eyes and uh Sure, yeah, yeah. so
0: the the true stories are all in here. I,
15: I'd like to think so, You'd yeah. like to it, think I'd so. I'd like to think so, yeah. Enough of the people are still alive and have good memories of of, of this whole quacky 50-year saga that it's been uh, with these guys. La-
0: A couple of weeks ago, this, uh, this station, WPBB had two of its uh, DJs, if you still use that word, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brian <laughs> Cosgrove true. and Meg Noonan, at a talkback at West Hampton Beach after the movie Echo in the Canyon. Okay. And that was kind of uh, an amazing... I mean, and that, that kind of focused right. more on the it, it's California fascinating. sound.
15: Yeah, it's fascinating to me that that we have... Um, this year in particular, we've had a movie like Echo in the Canyon done mm-hmm. well. There's a David Crosby documentary that's getting yes, great I, reviews and doing well. well.
0: They, that was the trailer before that. So right. I was and like, and oh my of goodness.
15: course, it's the 50th anniversary of Woodstock of this course. month. Yeah. So a lot of people looking back on that. And you know, I get asked a lot, like, why, why are people still interested in that era? And, and I think there's so many reasons, but... I mean, certainly it starts with the music, and that sounds corny, right. but like those That's records and those songs are still uh, are, are enduring. You know, they they've stood the test of time. People right. are still covering Joni Mitchell songs, and Neil Young songs, and for what it's worth, by Stephen Stills, and yeah. they, those songs are still in the air. Uh, uh, a new talent like Brandi Carlisle right. ha, uh, has sung a couple of, of their songs in concert. Like helplessly hoping, and yeah, you know, it, and it's just—it's music that is kind of. Um, it's
0: funny how we so, now think of that as being an innocent, like a more innocent, softer time. When of course, at, at the time, they weren't thinking that at all. No, you <laughs> know, the people our age were thinking, oh, things were so much, you know, exactly. <laughs> easier and softer back in the forties during the war. You know,
15: exactly. But, yeah, uh, I think we look back at Woodstock, the original, mm-hmm. and think, wow, you know, that was that was a crazy, turbulent time, sixty-eight and sixty-nine. There was so much going on, and yet you had. Almost half a million people just hanging out in a field, just a little bigger than where we are now, Yeah, uh, for three days, and, and you know there was guys, some chaos. And these but
0: guys who had their great intro, it was these like, guys the, for the first like time we played in front of more than 20 people, yeah, and we're scared yeah. shitless. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Isn't that what they said?
15: Exactly. I mean, I haven't seen the movie in a long time. Can we say that on the air? Can we say that word? We're, this is NPR, dude. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, Steven Seals famous line is this: is "The second time we played in front of people, and we're scared shitless." Yeah, and it's true. Yeah, and it was true. And it's kind of a crazy thing to think about that that was, but that's just the way their tour and went. Then and then um, they just became superstars overnight. Pretty much, pretty yeah. much, they were they were a supergroup, as my book uh, title. We're talking mentions. with David
0: Brown about Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, but you've written other books about other music. I wrote a
15: book called Fire and Rain, which was all about rock and roll in 1970, which I think is a really important, pivotal Just year. that year. That year, you know, and, and you I think of that I assume that's year, the year
0: Fire and Rain came out. Fire and James Rain Wip, was the James year James that
15: James Taylor became a star, and it was the year that CSNY peaked and broke up. The Beatles broke up and Simon and Garfunkel broke up. Wow. So it was this year when you had these iconic right people after from the, the summer of 60s end. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the 60s ended on time. It's like the, acid, the acid
0: wore off and they were like, exactly. who are you? Did I get married to you? Did yeah. I form a group with you? Get out.
15: <laughs> exactly.
0: David, I, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. It's great a, to be your here. Your book, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, The Wild Definitive Saga of Rock's Greatest Supergroup. Why are they the greatest?
15: Well, because there haven't you know, there have been a lot of supergroups since then, but how many of them do we remember? We always remember these guys. And the supergroup being that they they were all in different groups beforehand. That's the basic definition. Right. And we've had a, a bunch a bunch of copycat supergroups, but like no one none has really had the enduring appeal, I think, of these guys.
0: Thank you so much for Thank joining you so us. Much. It's David. Great being here.